series. Morning, Grace. How y'all feeling this morning? Good, good, good. Hey, for those of you I haven't had the privilege of meeting yet, my name's Matt Mancinelli. I'm delighted to be here. A uh, little bit of, of my story, real briefly. Um, my parents sent my sister and I to vacation Bible school at Ebenezer Baptist Church, then turned Grace Community Church right here uh, over 30 years ago. They usually sit right over here, but in the 9 a.m. service. And uh, so for the past... 30 plus years, uh, my family's been here at Grace. Uh, Grace Youth was really meaningful for me growing up, and so I'm very grateful for all that. I'm married to Loretta, who you'll get to see in a second. She's going to read our psalm for us. Uh, we've got three kids Ivy's eight, Stella is seven, and Grant is five. Um, all of our kids were born in Florida. We moved back here to Michigan about five and a half years ago to um, lead. Eagle Sports and Sword Trite, and I did that for about four years. Now both those programs are in much better hands than mine, uh, and I'm privileged to work for another ministry that encourages people to be generous without ever asking for money, so that's super fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, I am up here this morning. Doug asked if I would share on a psalm, and we're going to dig together into Psalm 142, which is a great psalm and I'm excited about. So if you've got your Bible... Hope you do. Love for you to open up to Psalm 142. There's some Bibles in the seats underneath uh, you as well. And uh, you can see the page number 523 if you're in the Bible under your seat um, there. And uh, while you're opening up, I'm going to just give you a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. Some of you guys have heard a phrase. Maybe you can even finish it for me. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. All right. So we're going to do a little different version of that today. Uh, which says, when life gives you lemons, lament. <laughs> All right? That's definitely, if you were here last week, that's definitely not Tom Brady as a baby. This is one of the ugly cry faces Pastor Kevin talked about. Um, so when life gives you lemons, lament. And, you know, I think the, the main difference between lemons and lemonade isn't even that one is a fruit and one is a drink, though that's true. I think the biggest difference is that one is full of sugar, and uh, that's how you make lemonade. You add a lot of sugar. And what I want to encourage you and invite you into this morning is to not sugarcoat when life gives you lemons, but to dig into the sadness. Not to stay there forever, but to make that our first step. So when life gives you lemons, lament. That's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. That's something that the Bible calls lamenting. So I want to invite my most lovely wife, Loretta, up here and... She's going to read Psalm 142 for us. Thanks. Good morning. Will you guys please stand while we read the word? With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. Starting with a maskal of David when he was in the cave, a prayer. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. 
I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. You may be seated. Thank you, most lovely wife. Hey, by the way, this isn't going to be the happiest or the most flowery of messages. So if you're feeling real good this morning, you're welcome to slip out the back and hold on to your good feelings. <laughs> or you can take good notes because uh, life will bring you lemons at some point and uh, you can, you know, be ready for that when it comes. All right, so um, I want to walk us through the psalm uh, and we're just going to go verse by verse and kind of dig into it. Um, that reminder that in Psalms especially, this isn't like this for most of the Bible, but when there's that kind of heading or introduction, that's actually part of the original text. So this isn't something that we've added on, but, you know, thousands of years ago, it was written right at the top there, a maskil of David. Uh, Maskil, that could be a musical term or it could mean something about instruction. Nobody really knows, so we're not going to spend much time there. But of David, that means David wrote it as he has written many of the Psalms that we have uh, dug into here. Um, And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I think this next part is even more interesting. When he was in the cave. It's a fun little piece of context we're given. So the history here is that uh, David, you might remember, I mean, I won't get the whole thing, but he's a shepherd. There's a prophet, Samuel, who says he's going to be king. And uh, he ends up because he's a good harp player, welcomed into the the court of King Saul, the king of Israel. And uh, David excels there. He becomes very trusted by Saul. Saul, um, yeah, keeps promoting him. And then even though he's too young to be in the battlefield, through a series of circumstances, he ends up uh, at the battlefield when Israel's battling the Philistines. And there's this giant named Goliath there. You guys remember that? David kills the giant. Uh, everybody's cheering on David and Saul gets jealous. Um, So Saul turns against David and begins trying to kill him. Uh, He starts out kind of in the elementary fashion, throwing a spear at him. That doesn't work. Then he thinks, I'll let the Philistines do it. So he sends David out into these very difficult battles. Uh, That doesn't work either. And so by the time this psalm is written, Saul actually has an army of people and he's chasing down David to kill him. And so that brings David to hiding in a cave. That's where this comes from, this in a cave piece. Uh, Usually when you're hiding in a cave, it's a good sign that things are not going quite as you had planned. Um, And so uh, that is where David writes the Psalms from. And then the very last line you can see there, it says a prayer. Whoever recorded this is, is calling out, yes, and this is a prayer which will become important, we'll see as we dig on. 
I want to take a moment here as well to point out the type of prayer this is or the type of psalm, and that is called a lament. Okay, this isn't something we, uh, well, they're not the happiest of psalms. They're not the ones you usually choose to read in a worship service on a Sunday morning. You can see there the definition is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. A passionate expression of grief or sorrow. You know that a third of our psalms are laments, which I think is pretty incredible. Um, And some of those are corporate laments. Some of those are individual laments. I'll give you a couple examples to even show what that looks like. So let's look at a corporate lament first. Here's one we'll put up from Psalm 94. Uh, This is like part of Israel's songbook. It's like part of their possible playlists for a Sunday morning or whenever they sang their songs. Um, That is, but is a, a sad song. So here's one from, from Psalm 94. Oh Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. So they're complaining together, expressing their grief together as a group. Um, you know, I went to Taylor University and some of you may remember, it's got to be I feel old if I calculate it, um, almost 20 years ago now, that there was a a van accident at Taylor where, um, actually Josh's story reminded me of it this morning, but where a semi-truck came across the median and hit a van of Taylor students uh, and a number died. There was a whole identity mix-up, you might remember, where they thought one was dead, it was somebody else. And I was at Taylor at the time, I was actually student body president my last year. and I remember just, you know, receiving the news of that, all the grief, everybody being sad, and then going into chapel for a special service to gather together in the midst of that sadness. And we were singing some hymns, and there were some, you know, uplifting pieces and some trust in God. I remember It Is Well With My Soul was one of the songs. And one of my professors, uh, one of my favorite professors, actually, wasn't involved in the program at all, but he was sitting kind of towards the back in the chapel. He stood up. Uh, unplanned, and he said to whoever was leading the service, can we please sing some songs of lament? Can we sing a song of lament? And um, I, don't, I don't think we even changed gears, probably because I can't even think of some songs of lament. Uh, but sometimes, right, there's this need for us to grieve corporately, to cry out corporately. And I wrote some of these during COVID, uh, wrote some laments that were more corporate in nature. I was leading sore at the time, like I told you, and uh, so I kind of had this up-close personal view of what was happening in the schools or what wasn't happening in the schools during COVID. And this isn't political, whether you thought the schools should have been shut down or not should have been shut down. Whatever should have happened, the reality is that students weren't in school and learning, nor were they learning online. I mean, just none of it was working. And students were falling further and further behind and frankly, still haven't caught up to that. And I was writing laments of that. And corporately, we could have come together and said, man, we're sad about this stuff. We could cry out, God, why are students falling further and further behind? Or why are there more slaves in the world today than there ever have been in history? Or why are there three billion people around the world who still haven't heard the gospel of Jesus? And these are, these are things that we can lament and we can lament corporately as uh, in Psalm 94, Israel's lamenting corporately. Okay, here's now let's look at a personal lament. Right? So this is less about what's going on in the world and less something we're doing together, but an individual expression of grief or sorrow. Uh, in Psalm 75, here's one. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. This sounds like what I tell my kids 
they're not allowed to do, right? No, no whining, please, no whining. And I agree, we don't want to be a church full of moaners, but why, does, why is this stuff captured here in the Bible? Um, you know, God wants to preserve uh, these complaints because lamenting well is critical to being healthy emotionally and spiritually. And this, these psalms are all saved for us to be able to see that. Pastor Doug has been saying through this series, which I agree, that psalms are where we get some of our theology. Theology means study of God, so we can see some of God. But I think psalms, as much as that, also give us some, uh, instead of theology, maybe psychology, the study of our minds and our feelings, or peopleology, if that's easier, heartology. I mean, God isn't showing us here uh, who God is at this moment. He's who he is. He's showing us who we are. He's showing us um, that we need to be sad and we need to um, be able to voice that. Uh, and he's given us permission to do that. Oh, so let's look at one more verse um, to show some of that. Psalm 13, 1. This is another Psalm of David. So this is David writing this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Now, the whole counsel of Scripture is clear that God doesn't forget us. Okay, so again, this isn't a verse that teaches about God. It's a God that teaches about us. It teaches, in this case, about David. David was feeling like God was forgetting him, had, had forgotten him. And do you all ever feel like that? I sometimes feel like, God, yeah. seriously? Like, where were you when this went wrong? And uh, David's expressing that, and he's, it's giving us permission to express it. So, <clears throat> the Bible is full of laments. Psalms are full of laments, about a third of them. Some of them are corporate, some of them are individual. And, uh, you know, they show us who we are. They give us permission to do some of that. So let's circle back to our psalm. Uh, I want to keep going back through it verse by verse in Psalm 142. All right. We already talked about that intro one. This is of David, a mascal, and a cave, a prayer. Let's look at now what our Bibles label as verse one. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. So here's a pro tip on prayer. I'm not a great prayer. So when uh, I see prayers in the Bible, I'm always looking for those good pro tips. And you can see here in this verse that it says, uh, to the Lord, with my voice, I'm sorry, with my voice is written twice. It's okay to pray silently. God hears our silent prayers for sure. Um, but there's a difference between a silent prayer of God save me, God save me, to actually articulating out loud it could be loud or could be in writing a prayer. That gives substance to it. It makes it more real. And David is, starts out with that. The first verse of the psalm is, with my voice I cry out. With my voice I plead. Um, so a good pro tip here to voice that stuff. And then he uses these words, I cry out and I plead. Uh, let's actually look at verse 2 for even some more of these uh, verbs of, of what David's doing. Verse 2. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. So pouring out here is this feeling of leaving it all on the table, right? Think of pouring out a pitcher and all of it. It's out of control. It's not measured particularly. Uh, there's this element of emptying to go with it. And then, but we've also got this verb to tell. I tell my trouble before him. Tell is more measured. It's like when you tell a story, there is, right, you're making sure you hit a series of points. And so David is doing both of those things. He's letting it all out, but he's also 
um, being intentional. He's being specific about what he says. And then if we put, if we look at Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, verses one and two together, David is very clear on where he's complaining. So verse one says twice to the Lord, and verse two says twice before him. And I think this is important since I'm basically putting together an entire sermon that's encouraging you to complain more. Uh, there is a direction for that to make it healthy. So it is a lot more, a lot healthier to take our complaints to the Lord than to each other or to sit in them ourselves. And what David isn't sitting, saying here is I'm brooding in my own complaints and I'm whining to everyone else. No, he says four times in the first two verses, verses to the Lord, to the Lord, before him, before him. All right, verse three, when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden in a trap. They have hidden a trap for me. So here, David's spirit fainting, I think maybe that's a more artistic or uh, old-fashioned way of saying he's feeling real bad, right? I'm feeling this is a deep depression or a deep despair. His spirit is fainting within him. And it's not uncommon, even in laments, even as we reflect and chew on those lemons to have some little bits of hope. And uh, the first one here in this psalm is here in verse three, you know my way. Uh, so David is saying, even when I'm depressed, you know my way. Even when everything feels wrong, you know it. And so this is the first sign of hope and we'll get some more of those. Then he gets back into the lament. He says, in the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. You know, I used to feel like I couldn't relate to this at all because I'm picturing, oh, the roads in the Bible days must have been rough. And I don't, what's the trap look like? Is it a rope you stick in and they pulls you up in a tree or something? Uh, but actually in wisdom literature in particular, um, this word path, it often means like my life journey. So maybe David's walking through the mountains and there's some path and it feels like there's a trap. But what he's really saying is in my life journey, there's a trap for me. So remember, David was told a long time ago that he was gonna be king. And for a while, it was all up and to the right for him, right? He was in Saul's house. He was becoming more trusted by Saul. He married a princess. That's pretty cool. He's a war hero. Everything was going great. He was on a path to be king. And now all of a sudden, he's running for his life. For years, he's running and hiding in caves. And I can relate to that. There was a good decade in my life where everything was ascending. Promotion, 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 this cool thing, that cool thing happening. And it's awesome when that happens, but then sometimes it feels like, oh, and not anymore. And that's how David's feeling here. In my path of ascension, in my path of everything going right, there's a trap set for me. It's complaining about all of life. Let's go to verse four. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. So the first important phrase here is this phrase, to the right. This is the idea of a right-hand man. This is where your right-hand man should be and is not. Think Alexander Hamilton to George Washington, at least according to the musical. I didn't actually read the history, but in the musical, that's how it goes. Uh, think Jesus saying, I am seated, seated at the right hand of the Father. And what David's saying here is, when I look to my right hand, 
man, there ain't nobody there. Um, no one, no one's there. No one cares about him, and there's no place to go. We see that three times. No one, no refuge, no one. Do y'all ever feel like this? You know, I remember about five and a half years ago when I moved here. This is it, it was it was so visceral. I still remember it. I was having a bad morning, uh, and I thought I need to go out for lunch with a friend and have some comfort food and just you know, make myself feel better. And I actually sat down in a chair. I took out my phone. I unlocked it. I went into the text window. I did all that before I realized I don't have any friends to text. Um, I mean, that's maybe too extreme, but maybe not. I had just moved here. Like, I didn't know. Like, where, where do I go? And that's how David is feeling here. By the way, this is kind of interesting to throw David under the bus. Like, I'll just throw myself under the bus. He had people with him in the cave all the time. Sometimes there are lots of people with him in the cave. And so remember, this psalm isn't accounting history. It's emotion. It's not trying to be, that doesn't mean there's an error in the Bible. There's no one at my right hand. It's David saying, I don't feel like anybody cares at all. And right, I, most of you, probably all of you have people who care about you, but that doesn't mean it feels like that. And it's okay to say it feels like it doesn't. Um, All right, so no one cares for my soul, he says. Verse five, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So here we've got some hope again in verse five. In verse four, David just said, I have no refuge. In verse five, now he's correcting himself a little bit. He says, actually, God, you are my refuge. You are my safe place. I don't know about you guys, but I have a number of refuges, uh, right? Sometimes I feel like I got some money saved up when I do have some money saved up. That feels like that could be a refuge. Sometimes I feel like I got friends who are connected in places. I feel like if, if all goes wrong, my parents got a pretty nice house. I can move in with my parents. Um, in the cave, David's not feeling any of those other refuges. He's like, I'm out of options and God, you are my refuge. You are my only safe place. Yeah, not only is God's refuge, you can see that word portion as well. You are my portion in the land of the living. Portion is a, a word that's used in, when things are being divided up. So sometimes plunder after a battle is divided up, you get your portion or food. But most of the time it's used in land with the Bible. So you think about the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey was divided up and each tribe got their portion. And there's this element of feeling like it's plenty. I've got all that I need. I've got my more than fair share. And so David's saying, not only, God, are you my safe place, but you're also everything I need. You're my portion. You're enough for me. Verse six, attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Here again, we see the reason that it's important to lament primarily with God, not just with ourselves and with people, because here we see this plea, attend to my cry, deliver me from my persecutors. Now these requests are being delivered to our God who is mighty to save. God who has power to save David, his refuge is who God is asking to attend to my cry and to deliver me. Verse seven, last verse of our Psalm, bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. 
The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. So this word prison has a a root word that's like to shut in. So David is saying uh, he feels trapped. He feels powerless. And he declares what he's going to do when he gets out. This is not uncommon in some of these laments. He's saying, it almost feels like negotiating. God, come get me out of this prison so that I can give thanks to your name. And this is important. When we're, most of our, our time together this morning is focused on the lemons and the lamenting. But when lemonade does come, that's our time to remember to give thanks. And David is committing ahead of time to do that here. Um, you know, Loretta and I have been in a bit of a, a rougher season in these last couple months. And there's been some resentments building that we didn't really realize and some coldness. Uh, and then about 10 days ago, there felt like there was a little bit of a, a breakthrough or a shift and we could feel some warmth uh, with each other again. And it's tempting to just, right? It's easy to take that for granted, to forget the toughness and to keep going. And what David's saying here is, hey, when this better thing happens, I'm gonna thank you for it ahead of time. And I've been reminding myself this week, let me keep saying thanks for this warmer, better place. And so uh, here we have, right, that, that commitment ahead of time. Bring me out of prison so I can give thanks. It's even the reason. Um, and then the psalm ends with these two very hopeful statements. David is looking ahead and he's saying, the righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me. So remember just a few verses ago, David was saying, I look for my right-hand man. Nobody's there. Now he's saying, but God, what is going to happen is I'm going to be surrounded by good people. And right now I'm brought so low, I need you to save me. But what is going to happen is, God, you are going to deal generously, bountifully with me. And by the way, for us, I mean, there's a bigger story at play here, right? When we're in a cave, when we're in the midst of lament, uh, we already know that God has dealt bountifully with us. Right? I mean, talk about a bountiful, generous God. God so loved the world that he gave. Gave. And so um, God's bountiful, and that's where we are. Okay. What I want to do is actually read for y'all, I'm feeling a little nervous about this, a lament that I wrote, a poem that I wrote. But I want to give you a little context uh, and share some of my story as we get into that. So last time I was up here um, sharing with y'all was at the end of 2019 with my wife, Loretta, and we were encouraging y'all to choose a word for the year. And that has been a really meaningful uh, practice for me. And actually right around that time, God was giving me my word for 2020, which was the word heart. And it wasn't this feeling of like, Matt, you're a man after God's own heart. Soak in that. It was more like y'all got some work to do on your heart. And I want to invite you to do that. And so, um, as usual, I shaped some of my spiritual practices around my word for the year. And so I committed to read through the Psalms a few times. That felt like a good place to kindle some of this heart stuff, to write some poems alongside the Psalms. That's where this poem I'm going to read you comes from. Uh, Not because I fancy myself a poet or had written poems much at all to that point, but because I did, I had written a handful enough to learn that writing poetry brings me from my head, where I tend to live in reason, more towards my heart, 
where I can access some of those feelings. So I was reading the Psalms, I was writing poems, I said I wanted to watch some epic movies that stir my heart. I think of, I watched Gladiator or The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, you know, some of these movies that access some pieces of my emotions. Um, one more thing I, w- I committed to do that year was to receive restorative prayer. How many of y'all have done restorative prayer here at Grace? A, a decent handful. And uh, what restorative prayer is, is there's a couple of people who are trained prayer facilitators who help you ask questions of God and then listen. And so I got to listen to what God is saying and what my heart is saying. And a picture that I got during that time in restorative prayer, you guys might be able to picture these old hair dryer things. Uh, there's a picture that go over, over your head. I mean, not like I've ever used one of those. I could be that guy right in the middle. Um, but I, one of those that I had put up, uh, not intentionally around my heart. And the reason I had put up this hair dryer thing is to protect myself from all those nasty little feelings. Who wants to deal with feelings? And there are advantages to, to, there were advantages to me masking out all those feelings. Like I got to be cool and calm and collected and in control most of the time. But when we just keep shoving our feelings down, when I do at least, I find they leak out in nasty places. And what I realized as well was that I, I erected this shield to protect myself from feelings, but what I, it was really shielding me from was receiving love ultimately. Receiving God's love, receiving love from people. I say was, it makes it sound like this has all come to a conclusion. That's not true. It's still quite difficult for me to receive love, frankly, but I'm pushing into it and working on it. So all that to say, that was uh, some of restorative prayer and... Um, been a great journey, which means now I have to read a poem. I'm a little nervous, a little nervous. Okay, this poem doesn't even rhyme. I like poems that rhyme, but uh, this is an acrostic. You guys remember those? Like on Mother's Day, you'd make one that said mother, and you thought of a word that start with each letter, or you go through the alphabet. A lot of, uh, actually, there's actually a decent amount of prayers in the Bible that are acrostics, a number of poems uh, and w- as well as the book of Lamentations is written as acrostics. It's like this element of saying, I'm going to complain. I'm going to cover everything from A to Z in my complaints. And so this poem is modeled that way. So it works through the alphabet uh, from A to Z. And um, I think, it, yeah, I wrote it last year. And so it's some of the events in my life last year. Abundant is my suffering. As one sadness ends the next blow begins. Beneath my strength and positivity, I'm crumbling in despair. Chronic and cold, like a bitter winter night, disappointment pushes in at every crack. Desolation and darkness are plenty and persistent. Enough euphemism, let me present my evidence. First was more than a year of COVID, ghastly and grueling, demanding more work for less progress, handicapped by lockdown and rules, unreasonable fear and stuckness. I remained PC, saw both sides, but this line removed for explicit language. (laughs) Just as that began to let up, I was to gather with dear friends in Colorado, keen to begin my adventure. COVID struck closer to tone, closer to home, 
and I was finally infected. Lonely and lamely, I stayed home, quarantined in chaos instead of gathering with long-lost friends. Merrily, I counted down the days for months anticipating an offshore fishing adventure. Nefariously, the God who calmed the storm on Galilee unleashed the winds on me. Offshore turned to inshore, hunting the kings of the ocean turned to glorified bass fishing. Poignantly, the day after I left, the calmer of the storm did his thing and the ocean gave great fish while I flew home. Quintessential moments still to come, we drove west for Family Fest. Rest, adventure, and a restoring place to process pain would finally be mine. Satisfaction was summoned, even scheduled, but had to be surrendered before it was secured. Tragedy waited until our time together was about to begin, and then torment triumphed. Unapologetic, suffering struck again, with death itself throwing my family into a spin. Veteran, vital friends gathered while I flew Frontier Airlines, kids in tow, cross country to a funeral. Wearily, I write that with family camp just days away, yesterday I tore my hamstring. Xenial pickleball games, my annual triathlon, miles of biking with friends stripped away. Yielding to this relentless attack, I surrender to sadness that won't give up. Zoom calls replaced lunches. Shallows swallowed the golf stream. Death beat friendship. Injury robbed competition. Despair is prevailing over joy. That's a lament. Thank you. It's not, it's not my most polished, but frankly, it's not my rawest either. And uh, about a third of our Psalms are these kind of poems, complaints when everything went wrong. I think I actually have just enough time. I'm gonna read one more. Um, this is a last minute call, an audible. And uh, so the words aren't gonna be on the screen. Um, and I say I wanna read one more. I don't really want to because this poem is downright embarrassing. And I'll tell you why, because that one was reflecting, was grieving uh, or lamenting on circumstances. Um, this one is lamenting on my own brokenness and how I'm feeling in this stage of life. Um, and it's kind of ugly. So I'm feeling a little vulnerable um, and you can judge me, but here goes nothing. This one does rhyme at least, so I feel a little better about that. I love me some rhymes. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul penned the words we read. Old Abe Lincoln set a nation's slaves free. Martin Luther King Jr. told us all of his dream. Bill Gates built a real big company. Michael Jordan is beyond the Hall of Fame. Babe Ruth is a legend of a legendary game. I know what I want how these are all the same. I want Matt Mancinelli to be a household name. I get it, I know I sound totally vain. I'm walking with Abel and feeling like Cain. I'm scared of living life like a normal plain Jane. I'm nobody yet, but I've got lots to gain. Forbes recounts people with wealth to the brim. 
and Hamilton's got a musical about him. My shot at a musical is looking grim. My biography to date is awfully slim. I desperately need a reorientation, not just a tune-up, to be a new creation. I'm trying to give up my fame fixation to take identity pressure off my vocation. A new perspective will need acclamation because I've spent my life chasing affirmation. God help me change my aspiration. I'm sick of living for my reputation. I appreciate the all clap, even when I say some sad stuff. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So those are laments, and those aren't easy to feel, <laughs> uh, you know? But God invites us, when life gives us those kinds of lemons, to lament about them. And so that's what I'm learning to do. All right, as we move towards the close, uh, I want to end with a little bit of a countdown here. So we're going to do three lessons from that psalm, two next steps, and one final nuance. And we'll go through it quickly, but uh, these are some some things we can capture as we go from Psalm 142. All right, we'll start with the three lessons. Number one, God invites us to lament or express sadness before him. For some of us, if you're like me, uh, that means we gotta learn to feel those pesky little feelings in the first place. And as I said, I've spent a lot of my time not even knowing that I was running from them, but running from them. And so if you're like me, you got to push into those feelings. Maybe download a feelings list off an internet, off the internet and write down which ones you relate to and why. Uh, a number of us did this emotionally healthy relationships course. You might remember there's a tool in there where you write down, what am I happy about, sad about, scared about, and angry about? I think we're the four. And push into some of those feelings. Um, and so, yeah, the reason you're not expressing those feelings could be that you've got a little hair dryer over your heart too. And I want to encourage you to start breaking that down and feeling some of those things. For others of you, uh, you're plenty good at feeling those feelings, but the challenging part of this is those last two words before him, right? You're feeling in them, but maybe you're drowning in them. Maybe you're spending a lot of time complaining to other people. And what God's inviting you to do is to take all those feelings and still feel them fully and feel them, feel them with God before God. All right, so that's lesson number one. God invites us to lament, express our sadness before him. Number two is remember your refuge and ask for help. So God is your refuge. He is your safe place. Uh, and um, yeah, we can ask him for help. If you skip step one, this step can feel a little bit like when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? We had some hopeful songs this morning. I love the hopeful songs, uh, but the hopefulness comes after lamenting. And so step one is to lament, and then two is to remember God and ask for help. He's our safe place, and we can express that and ask him to help us. All right, number three is to grieve as one with hope. So at the, end of Psalm, at, the, at the end of the psalm we just read, right in verse 7, David is looking forward to how things are one day going to be again. He says, right, I'll be surrounded by good people, and God, you will again build, uh, be bountiful towards me, deal bountifully with me. We actually don't know, this is kind of interesting, 
whether David wrote this psalm while he was sitting in the cave, right? He could have been in the cave with a piece of paper writing this prayer or whether he wrote it 20 years later, whenever later, looking back on it, saying, remember when I was in the cave? Here's how I was feeling then. But in any case, I think it's interesting because in our lives, we've got some of both. There's some things we don't know how they're gonna go yet, right? Is the chemo gonna work? Is our child gonna be okay? Is, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns, but there are also some things that we do know, right? As we talked about a few minutes ago, that God gave Jesus for us. And so that reminds me of uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's look at that together. Verses 13 and 14. This is Paul writing to the Thessalonians. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Sleep means dead. He's being positive here. Uh, That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. So he's still saying, yeah, we're going to grieve, but not as those people who don't have hope about it. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. Even death, even running for our lives, all the sadness, all the things that we want to lament about are no challenge. I mean, they're a challenge. They're a lot of challenge, but they're overcome by Jesus in the end. So we know the end of the story and we get to grieve as those who have hope. Okay? All right. There's our three lessons. Uh, Next two, potential next steps. And I wrote potential next steps because I always want to be not prescriptive. Obviously, I can't tell you what to do anyway. But as I thought about these this morning, I think they're pretty much no-brainers. All right, so they're only potentials, but I highly recommend both of them. Okay, number one is to receive restorative prayer. What could be wrong with getting in a room with the Holy Spirit and two complete strangers and dredging up all your past horrors. Okay, a lot could go wrong with that. It sounds horrible, I know. But God's inviting us to do this deep work. And I wanna just recommend to everybody, there's good people who, I think this is one of the best things happening at Grace, good people who are trained to help facilitate a meaningful dialogue between you and God and work on some of your stuff. It's a great opportunity to do the deep, deep, deep work. And so, um, there is, uh, at the info desk, there's some little cards. I actually, actually already also brought a few up here. So if you want to st- uh, sign up for that, you can grab one of those cards. You can reach out to Madeline Chabot on the Grace team. Um, actually, August is, is totally full. But as you look into the fall, um, that'd be a great, great next step for somebody. Um, okay, number two, I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record on number two if you've been coming all month but I want to really invite you to do the Psalm plus 30 plan, right? I hesitate to even say it if you've been here because you've heard it so many times, but tomorrow's August 1st. It's a fresh month. Because it's the first, that means you'll read Psalm 1. Then you'll read Psalm 31, 61, 91, and 121. You just add 30 each time. On the second, you'll do that again. Read Psalm 2, 32, 60, you get it. If I keep going, I'm going to make some math mistakes. Um, (laughs) But I also want to invite you to do that in a journaling psalter. So... Uh, this is mine. This is what I did all this in. Here's Psalm 88. You got the Psalms on the left side and then you got a blank page on the right side. So here's a a poem I wrote in response to Psalm 88. And uh, 
So one cool thing about this is it gives you a lot of space to not just read but interact. Another cool thing about this is, even though it's a nice leathery book that's like 30 bucks on Amazon, they were on super duper sale. And so there's a bunch at the welcome counter for just 10 bucks. And uh, I would just really encourage you to grab one. Again, fresh month tomorrow. If you read through the Psalms five a day in the month of August, maybe write a couple of poems, maybe dig in and feel those feelings, you will be blessed. Give me a little feedback on that one. Who's going to pick up a journaling psalter and read through the Psalms in August? All right, a few cheers. A few psalters already. I love that. Um, let's do that. Okay, and finally, as we close, one final nuance. Um, so at the beginning, I like the ring of it. I like the sound of when life gives you lemons, lament. Uh, but I just want to nuance that a little bit and say as we close, when life gives you lemons, begin with lament. That doesn't mean that we're going to stay stuck there. I'm not calling us all to be sad all the time. But again, the healthy first step for healthy people when life gives you lemons is to start by lamenting. And we know that God has a plan for those who love him, that he works all things for good. We can trust in that. We can sing the hopeful songs like we just sang. But when life gives you lemons, begin with lament. And we go from there. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good and yet stuff is still a mess. And God, we're sad that there's more slaves than ever around the world. We're sad that, like we talked about, kids are crazy behind where we should be in school. Uh, We're sad that there's billions of people around the world who haven't heard the gospel. And we're sad about really personal, individual things in our lives. I'm sad that I still want everybody to think I'm a big deal all the time instead of just delighting in who you are and who you say I am. And so, Lord, we bring these laments before you, and I pray for this group of people that they uh, would learn to lament and learn to lament well. Thanks that you give hope on the other side of that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's uh, some people who are going to be up here to pray for you if you'd like prayer. Um, Some people were listening before church today, and they heard some things for you guys that some of you uh, are being invited to be generous, generous givers. Uh, You can come receive prayer for that, that there's some brokenness in your soul for somebody, and that that needs to be dealt with and healed. By the way, if you come up for that, come up to get prayed for and pick up a restorative prayer card for sure. Uh, That somebody may have some neck injury or some trauma in your neck, we'd love to pray for you for that. And finally, that somebody may have some fear to come forward and that the Father's arms are open to you, if that's you. So if that's you or, or not, if anybody would like to come forward, there's people here who pray for you. If you're watching online, you can uh, call that number or follow that link and uh, people will pray for you there. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Sunday.